2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. I'm your host, Ben Carson. I have a fascinating guest this, this day with us, uh, Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines is a female competitive swimmer. She swam for the University of Kentucky's team and ended her Wildcat career as one of the most decorated swimmers in the history of the program with six records that I know of, and uh, at NCAA uh, qualifier, US Olympic trial qualifier. And um, as one of the best female swimmers in the nation, she found herself in the middle of a controversy when she tied with Leah Thomas. As you may remember, Leah Thomas is the man who decided that he was a woman and wanted to swim in female uh, competitions after being a relatively mediocre swimmer in men's competitive swimming. And um, she has been sort of an outspoken champion for preserving female sports and the integrity of single-sex sports. She believes it should be protected. So so welcome, Riley, and thank you for taking time to speak with us today, and thank you for being a courageous American.
0: Well, I appreciate that so much. I think you made me sound a lot cooler than I really am, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, it's absolutely wild that it requires courage to yeah. do what I'm doing.
2: Well, any anybody who can swim is an amazing person to me. <laughs> I can swim from point A to point B, but I cannot float.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to do, huh?
2: <laughs> now, um, you know, growing up, uh, how did you get started in swimming?
0: So I started swimming at the age of four. Um, you know, just started doing the summer swim that a lot of kids do. But then by the age of eight, uh, my coach really convinced me to start swimming year round. She's like, you're Ooh. really talented you should consider doing this and making this your primary sport because you could be really good. Um, So at second grade, I started doing year round, um, which meant of course, two hours in the water every day at eight years old. And of course it only got harder from there. You go to middle school, you go to high school, you're practicing before school, you go to school, you go right back to practice afterwards, shoveling your food down in the car on the way to the pool. You get done with practice, you go home, you ice your shoulders, you do your homework, you eat your dinner and you go to bed, but then you wake it up and you do it all again the next day. Oh my goodness. When I was swimming in college, we were swimming six hours every day. Mm. And so swimming that much, I could eat absolutely whatever I wanted and it just didn't matter. I still was very fit. I still had, you know, abs and all the things. And so Mm. now that I've been done swimming for almost a year... I find myself still having that swimmer's appetite, but now <laughs> I definitely don't work out like I like I used to, so I have to watch it.
2: Well, I always tell people, you know, it's a matter of calories in versus calories out. And some Absolutely. People, some people say, uh, it's not that way for me because I have a gland problem.
0: <laughs> well,
2: they do have a gland problem. It's their salivary gland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't make something out of nothing. But... Um, you obviously had a very uh, supportive family uh, for doing Absolutely. that. That makes a big difference.
0: Absolutely. But, uh,
2: you were—you must have been heavily recruited uh, out of high school. How did you choose the University of Kentucky?
0: You know, it was a hard choice for me. I, um, my Both of my parents were Division I athletes. My dad played football at Vanderbilt, so he was an SEC athlete. And so he, of course, went on to play in the NFL and do all the things. And so – Seeing his success in his sport and, of course, living in a state that is encompassed by the Southeastern Conference, Mm -hmm. I was a little partial to the SEC. (laughs) I knew I wanted to stay in the SEC. I grew up in Tennessee, but my dad being a a Vanderbilt player, we were never allowed to sing Rocky Top. I knew Tennessee wasn't wasn't an option. (laughs) And so I took a couple trips, and I actually thought I was going to be a Florida Gator until I took my trip to Kentucky, and I just fell in love. I fell in love with the program with the school, the campus, Lexington as a city. I just loved it. And looking back now, it was 100% the most perfect place for me to be.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Now, uh, in the time leading up to your competing with uh, with Leah Thomas, who had been on a men's swim team for 3 years, um what did you do anything special? What was what was that like?
0: Yeah, so my freshman year I got there and I had a pretty good season. Nothing crazy. Um it was a lot of adjusting. We were starting to lift weights, which was new to me. Like I mentioned, we were swimming 6 hours a day, which was oh. a lot for me at the time and so my freshman year I was improving, but I knew I was capable of more. And so my sophomore year we came back and I was having a breakout season. I was all geared up, ready to go to our national championships in March. But of course, COVID came in March and took the world by storm my sophomore year. And so about three days before we were supposed to leave for our meet, our championships got canceled, which is, of course, what you work all year for. So I felt like I had been robbed in that way of an NCAA championships. And so finally, we get sent home. And I was so excited at first. I was like, oh, my gosh, yes, a break. But I very quickly realized I didn't actually want a break. And so, like I mentioned, being from Tennessee, we have lakes all around us. And so I put on a wetsuit every single day and I swam in the lake oh boy. miles aimlessly trying to continue improving because I knew if I used this time to my advantage, then I could come back and be in a really good position to continue doing well, which is almost exactly what happened. I came back and I was at an advantage. Um, A lot of people, of course, pools were closed, gyms Mm -hmm. were closed. They didn't have the same luxuries that I had and the same determination that I had. And so my junior year came back and I was able to finish um, top five, I believe, in the country. But I knew my senior year, I could win a national title. Um, This was something that I made my goal. And so senior year rolls around and I'm right on pace to do so. I'm ranked third in the nation. At the middle of our season behind one amazing female athlete who I knew very well, because like in most sports, your top top tier athletes know each other, um, really, regardless of where you compete, because you've grown up competing against each other. Um, But the person who was ranked first in the nation, I had never heard of before. And there were a couple of red flags to me at this point. One, of course, obviously, I've never heard of this person and they're a senior Right. Two. This is someone from University of Pennsylvania, which is not a school that right. historically produces fast swimmers. Um, three. This person was ranked at the top in the 100 freestyle, which is a sprint event, and everything in between to the mile. And so, you being a doctor, you know those are different energy systems. Right. Think of your runners, your Olympic runners, your best 200 meter runners, not your best marathon runner. Mm-hmm. But that's what Leah Thomas was in this case. And so there were so many red flags in my head, but never once did it actually occur to me that this would be a guy. Mm. Um, Until, of course, an article was posted disclosing that Leah Thomas was formerly Will Thomas and did swim three years on the men's side at University of Pennsylvania before switching over. And so when I heard this, I was shocked, of course, but truthfully, I felt a bit of relief because I was able to look up who Will Thomas was. Um, You know, I was curious, is this a lateral movement? Is this someone who went from being first to continuing to rank first? Um, But upon looking up who Will Thomas was, I saw that this was a swimmer who, just as you mentioned, was mediocre at best, ranking 462nd at best nationally in the men's category.
2: Wow. That must have been a real shocker. Uh, And you think about all the blood, sweat, and tears that went into Title IX and and giving female sports the same kind of attention that male sports receive. And all of a sudden, you know, you throw this wrench into the equation. And it just is shocking to me that particularly the feminists have nothing to say about it. I mean, they just, it's not that well. (laughs) It's unbelievable.
0: I know it. We, um... I found the feminist organizations go one of two ways. One of them is, of course, to continue protecting what the original feminism movement was there to fight for, which Mm. is women. Um, The other half of this group, actually probably the majority of the feminist group, is actively advocating for male inclusion in women's sports, in their once sex-protected spaces like bathrooms and changing spaces, which I find to be extremely ironic. Um, we have trailblazers in women's sports like Megan Rapino mm-hmm. and like Billie Jean King, who did so much to fight for women's sports, mm-hmm. fight for equal pay, equal access to resources. But now these people are actively fighting for trans inclusion in women's sports.
2: It's hard to understand.
0: It doesn't make sense. But I think it's worth noting that both of these women are done playing um, I think Megan Rapinoe would probably shiv someone, a male who tried to take her place while she was playing, but now she's done. Neither of them have children. What's happening here is their virtue signaling because they have nothing to lose. They want to be seen as kind and they want to be seen as inclusive and welcoming and accepting and tolerant and all of the things. But allowing men with dysphoria, which is a mental illness, allowing these men into our spaces is not kind, affirming their feelings, it's not inclusive, it's actually exclusive. It's excluding the exact athletes that Title IX was created to protect. So they they think it's these things of um, positive progression, we're moving forward. But in reality, this is not moving us forward. It's taking us 50 years back in time.
2: It's ridiculous, because uh, the fact of the matter is, Uh, Men are not women, and women are not men. (laughs) It's
0: simple, right?
2: (laughs) A giraffe is not an elephant. I mean, mean, you just don't get to arbitrarily decide that you're something that you're not because somebody has convinced you of that, which is one of the reasons that it's so devastating what we're seeing imposed upon little children these days. Absolutely. Childhood should be a time when, you know, you're, having joy and fun and discovering the world and not where somebody is confusing you about your gender. And, you know, cure, children are naturally curious. So, you uh, know, and, and they're very suggestible. I mean, that's why they have parents, to protect them from people who would take advantage of that curiosity. And, but, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that maybe it's a a crazy phase that we're going through right now and that uh, we're going to wake up and say, wow, what the heck happened to us?
0: <laughs> I, I hope that as well. And truthfully, I feel like people are starting to open their eyes because what's happening, it's far bigger than of course, just sports. Um, look at, I mean, they're trying to change our language. It's now offensive to use the term mother or motherhood. Um, it's now, it's no longer breastfeeding. It's now chest feeder. Um, it's no longer woman. It's bleeder. They're changing our language, um, which of course is a sign back to Marxism. And that's a different topic, but what's happening here is bigger than what is being portrayed. Much Look fewer. at what's happening in prisons. They're now allowing men to infiltrate into women's prisons, men convicted of terrible, heinous, awful things like rape and child pornography and kidnapping and awful things. These men, they now realize if you say you are a woman, because that is the only requirement, that you can be housed with women, you can typically get lesser charges if you are a woman. Just in California, these past few weeks and recent weeks, there's been over 1,200 men applied to be women, which shows that the system that we have in place will be taken advantage of, and it is being taken
2: advantage of. And a large number of those men in California uh, have been admitted to women's prisons. Absolutely. And there there have been some untoward incidents that have occurred as a result of that. And it kind of reminds me, you know, of my time at HUD as the secretary. And uh, obviously, there was a lot of controversy because transgenders wanted to go into women's shelters. Well, the women didn't want them in their shelters. Some of the women said, we'd rather sleep in the forest in the wintertime than to be here with these guys. Uh, Because a lot of them are in women's shelters because of men who (laughs) are doing bad things in their lives. And uh, you know, I was called every name under the sun because I said, these women have rights too. We have to protect everybody's rights. You can't just give one group extra rights that can walk over the rights of everybody else. I said, just maybe we should look for solutions that work for everybody. Why can't we have a a shelter for transgender people? Well, that
0: makes you a bigot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they were, they were all over me. But, you know, I don't really worry about, they've called me every name you can call, because that's what they do. I don't really care about that. I care about doing what's right. Absolutely. Obviously, that's what will save our nation in the long run. So and that's why I appreciate uh, individuals like yourself who are willing to stand up because you can't be the land of the free if you're not the home of the brave. I mean, if you're not willing to stand up for what you believe in and you're just a little, you know, mushroom or or marshmallow, they're going to walk over you and things are going to change and you're going to be sitting there complaining about it, but not doing anything. And that's what's happened to lots of countries uh, in the past. And I'm, I'm very much hoping that maybe the United States of America will be different and that the people will actually recognize that we've been equipped with something called a constitution that will help us to be able to maintain liberty and justice for all, freedom to pursue the things that you want to do. That's what the American dream is all about. And I think so many have forgotten that. And Marxism, on the other hand, is about imposing your will on others and saying that we know what's best for everybody. They don't really know what's good for them, but we know what's best for them. And if we have to use various coercive forces, we will, because in the long run, we're doing them good. And I hope we don't fall for that. But uh, we will be right back with our fascinating guests, and uh, we're going to explore this topic some more.
1: Delve into the Shadows of the Mind. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
2: And we're back with Riley Gaines, an incredible swimmer uh, and an outspoken advocate for women's sports and for common sense, and that's why she's on this program, because we like to talk about common sense, which is no longer common. Um, Can you tell us, uh, Riley, what it was like watching Leah Thomas compete against other female swimmers for the first time?
0: You know, of course, going into the meet, we knew it was wrong. But there was almost this sense of intrigue, curiosity, you know, what is this really going to look like? This is something I never even thought I would have to deal with in my lifetime. Nevertheless, the same year that my senior year. Um, so I kind of went, went into it, you know, unsure how to feel. But that first day, it was a feeling of frustration. Then I watched Leah Thomas compete. And it changed from frustration to heartbreak. It felt just like I had been punched in the gut. I knew how much work I had put in to my sport and competing at that level, the top half a percent of the country. I know everyone there has put in the same amount of work as me. And so seeing someone who spent 95% of their life, well, I mean, a hundred percent of their life as a male, but 95% of their life identifying as a male come in and wipe, wipe the floor with my teammates, with myself, with all of the girls who were there, knowing this person would have never, ever even remotely qualified for the NCAA championships in the men's category. It felt like heartbreak. Um, that's in regards to the competition piece. But in regards to the locker room aspect, um, first of all, I want to say we were not forewarned that we would be sharing a changing space. No one asked for our consent. We did not give our consent to, ch- uh, to share a changing space. So that first day of competition, um, first of all, kind of set the scene for a swimming locker room. It's not necessarily a place of modesty. Um, right. <laughs> obviously you're relatively exposed. These suits you put on, it takes 15 minutes to really tuck and pull and tug yourself into them because they're so tiny, they're skin tight. Um, 15 minutes of which you're fully exposed. And so we're in the locker room changing and I can't even tell you the feeling of betrayal and belittlement and embarrassment. And of course, innate uncomfortableness and awkwardness. There's so many feelings when you turn around and you see a six foot four, 22 year old male equipped with an exposing male genitalia in an area where, women are undressed, it just felt like the people who were supposed to be protecting us, Mm -hmm. why were they not protecting us? Who perpetrated this? Who allowed us to participate in this person's fetish? Because that's what this is. Um, Leah Thomas has now come out as an AGP, which stands for autogynephiliac, which means you're just sexually aroused by dressing as a woman. And we were put in a position where we were undressing, where the same person with male parts was undressing mm-hmm. and no one was talking about it. No one was protecting us. This was far worse to me than the competition piece, because what, just a year, two years ago, this would have been sexual harassment, indecent exposure, voyeurism.
3: Yeah.
0: But now, not only was it just happening, the NCAA and other large institutions and universities They were celebrating this. They were encouraging this because after this meet, they nominated Leah Thomas for NCAA woman of the year. So this wasn't something that happened on a one-off basis. They were pushing.
2: And there was was one competition in which you tied with Leah Thomas. Correct. Uh, And they asked Leah Thomas. It was a fifth place. They asked Leah Thomas to take the fifth place and you to take the sixth place even though you were tied. That tells you a lot about the NCAA right there, doesn't it?
0: And the reason behind that is because they said Leah Thomas has to have the trophy for photos. So they reduced everything, again, that I had worked my entire life for. They reduced that to a photo op to validate the feelings of a male. Again, this just felt like a punch to the face. It felt like a total 180 from what Title IX was created to protect.
2: Well, tell us, uh, for the audience that doesn't know, what is the difference between a male and a female when it comes to things like swimming?
0: Absolutely. Um, There's obvious things, of course, like height, um, like your limb size, all of those things. But there's also things that people don't generally think of and things that would never change even with testosterone suppression. A lot of people think, Women are this testosterone level we have to reach to make it computable. But even if, which we know men can't, but even if men could get to the same levels as women, there are still advantages that contribute to success and things that require athleticism, especially in the sport of swimming, like your lung size, like your heart size, like your skeletal structure. It sounds silly, but men have a 40% larger throat than women, Mm -hmm. which plays a huge factor in success in swimming because you need... All of the oxygen you can get to oxygenate your muscles to continue propelling yourself forward.
2: Size of your hands.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
0: Again, I, I know, and that's an argument I hear a lot, is that you keep saying Leah is 6'4". Well, there's plenty of tall women as well. And that's true. There are tall women. But Leah being six four is average for a male swimmer. But that is, of course, taller than any female swimmer than was at that meet.
2: Well, I can also tell you that uh, a woman who's six four and a man who's six four the man who's six four has much bigger hands
0: absolutely, and
2: those hands, when you cuff them for swimming uh, really add a lot to your speed, so
0: I mean me. there's so
2: many things you, you really need to i I think it's just a matter of fairness we we've we've lost the concept of fairness absolutely. and instead substituted. The preferred group whoever is the preferred group everything has to favor them and just too bad for anybody else and that that really doesn't go with the whole concept of, of liberty and justice for all it's a, a real problem that we're dealing with right now and do you you know there are those who say hormone therapy will give you know the transgenders the same Body habitus as a woman. Uh, what do you think about hormone therapy?
0: The guidelines that were in place to allow Leah Thomas to compete with us was just one year of hormone suppression. There is simply no credible medical professional whose expertise is in um, physiological development who would acknowledge that one year of hormone suppression would make it right. fair. Um, we know. We know that it's not the case. We have enough science and we have enough data. Maybe 10 years ago, we wouldn't have had this science, but we do now. We know that this is not fair. The hormone levels of a male are 20 times higher than that of a woman. Um, I believe the average woman is anywhere from 0.8 to 1.2 nanomoles a liter of testosterone. Right. Um, whereas the guidelines that are in place through the International Olympic Committee, for example, it's 10 nanomoles per liter. So of course that's still reducing it drastically from the average levels of a male, but it's still 10 times higher than that of a female. Exactly these guidelines and these levels that they have in place, yes, it is less lessening it for the men, but it is not mitigating or diminishing the advantages that these men have. Puberty is irreversible. Once you've gone through puberty, those changes, it's irreversible.
2: That's absolutely right. You've probably heard about Chloe Barnes, uh, Massachusetts uh, high school, state championship for girls indoor track and field. They won because they had this transgender person on their team. Uh, How can anybody think that that's fair?
0: (laughs) If they don't have common sense. But it's actually pretty, I think it's pretty ironic and it it hits the nail on the head with the point you just mentioned. When Chloe was asked how she felt about people protesting her inclusion, her (laughs) response was
2: just deal with it.
0: Deal with it. Just deal with it. And that is the attitude that we're seeing a lot of these trans athletes take. Um, They don't want fairness, they don't want safety, they don't want the things that we want. Right. We just want it to be fair. We're not trying to ban anyone from playing sports. Just compete where is fair and where is safe.
2: The same situation with JC Cooper, the power lifter, and the courts decided that she had a case because they were trying to ex- exclude her from powerlifting with women. Crazy stuff. And this is a male yeah. who decided that he's going to be a woman and compete with women in powerlifting. I mean, there was a time when everybody would just laugh and say, that's ridiculous. And now we actually give credence to this kind of stuff. That's what really makes me say we've kind of lost our minds.
0: Absolutely. We've become, as a society, so sensitive and everyone wants to be marginalized. I think this whole trans, trans movement is a way for typically white males to become an oppressed group. Everyone wants to be a victim and be treated as a victim, which is actually an extremely weird mentality. Why would you want to be Mm -hmm. oppressed? Why would we want to continue creating divides like we see the media do constantly?
2: Well, the the trans community says they wanna be part of the community. And by not allowing them to compete in women's sports, you're excluding them from being part of the community. What do you say it about that? Sense.
0: <laughs> no one is excluding anyone from being part of the community. And that's what I've seen a lot where I've been going to these different states um, and testifying on different state bills. Actually, Wyoming passed theirs today. Um, some sort of bill that declares you compete with your sex. The left, typically the left, is pushing out the narrative that this is, an anti-trans bill that excludes transgenders from playing sports. That yeah. is not true. None of these state bills or federal bills for that matter are barring anyone from competing. Right. But that is the narrative that they're continuing to push.
2: Yeah. You're talking about uh, Texas state bill 15. Right. Which uh, says you have to compete with those who are in the same situation as you were at birth. And why is it, uh, why is it so difficult for people to accept science? Uh, the, the left says that they are the, the people of science, and yet uh, science tells you that if you have two X chromosomes, you know, you're a female. If you have an X and a Y, you're a male. And uh, you have the manifestations of those things. And if there were no difference Humans wouldn't exist for very long, so (laughs) that that should tell you something right there. Exactly. We will be back in another minute with uh, Riley Gaines to delve into a few
3: more issues. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: We're back with Riley Gaines. I think many of you know her, but now you can put a face with that name. And uh, we're so delighted that uh, she's a woman of courage. You know, the left uses fear-mongering and and name-calling to silence people who disagree with them. I can't tell you all the names that I've been called, you know, from from Uncle Tom to a white supremacist to all kinds of incredible things. I guess that's supposed to make me shut up, but it doesn't. It's not going to do it. But uh, in this case, you know, you look at uh, gender ideology and how they demonize people by calling them bigots and transphobics. Uh, What do you say to those people who call you a transphobic? Because I'm sure there are plenty of them.
0: (laughs) There are plenty of them. But the people who call me transphobic, um, I've noticed a few things. Typically, the people saying these things about me, one, it's never anything that invalidates my argument. It's never anything other than a personal attack. Mm -hmm. Like, you're ugly. You should have just trained harder and swam faster. I'm like, what a great idea. I never thought of that. Or your hair looks like extensions, which my hair is not extensions or just silly things. And another thing I've noticed is these profiles that they're coming from, because of course it's all on social media. No one, I I, truthfully, granted I live in Tennessee, but truthfully in my day-to-day life, I have not encountered anyone who has said, disagreed with what I'm saying. Um, But these profiles commenting these things under my pictures or wherever it might be, One, they're either morbidly obese and have never played a competitive sport in their life. Mm -hmm. Two, they have no profile picture because they don't want to show what they look like. Or three, this is a trans individual themselves. Um, It was hard for me to kind of realize that these people commenting about me, it speaks more about them than it does about me. I know myself. I know my convictions. I know my argument is rooted in fairness. It's not rooted in hatred towards one group or anything silly like that. It's not rooted in transphobia. And so when these people call me transphobic, I just call them misogynist. I'm like, okay, if I'm transphobic, then you're a misogynist. Um, (laughs) I never actually really comment back on social media because it's a waste of time. These people, it blows my mind on how A Monday at noon, they're going through my page. It's like, don't you work a job? Aren't you supposed to be somewhere doing something? Um, But I found to call them misogynist is effective.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, I would just hope that maybe we could come to a place where we think about others in general. And, uh, you know, there was a, a time not too long ago where there was a lot of talk about tolerance. You don't hear that much anymore. The left doesn't talk about tolerance because, you know, they have a tendency to believe themselves to be righteous. And if you're righteous, uh, then you can do and say whatever you want to do and say, because you know what's best not only for you but for everybody else. And it's the same attitude that the jihadists have. Uh, If you don't agree with them, you uh, need to be convinced or you need to be eliminated. This is what concerns me about these kinds of attitudes. Uh, I'm a student of history and I've seen it happen a lot of times in so many societies, and this is the way it starts. You need to disregard the rights of others and you say there's one group that has more rights than others. So, sort of like Animal Farm, everybody's equal, but some are more equal than others.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
2: And and that's feel like creeping that. into our society right now.
0: Absolutely. And it, it's funny you mentioned Animal Farm because, truthfully, this does feel like a George Orwell dystopian novel. Um, they're trying to get us to say two plus two is five. Mm-hmm. It's this, this concept of groupthink. But we know two plus two is not five. Right. But we have people who are scared to say that two plus two is not five. And we have people who genuinely believe two plus two is five. That's a, uh, denying man and woman, denying what a woman is, what a man is, girl, boy, male, female, denying those things is denying the essence of humanity. Just like you said, man and woman procreate. It is humanity It is why we are here. And we're denying that. We're denying what womanhood is, what manhood is. And it's really scary when you sit back and think about the implications of what this could have in just a few years, even. Changing language, um, taking away rights, trying to put one group above another. I know we've mentioned it, but it is it's Marxism and it's exactly like a George Orwell book.
2: Well, it it goes back to how do you bring the nation that is the city, the shiny city on the hill down in order to replace it with something else. And uh, don't for one minute think that our enemies haven't been thinking about this for a long period of time. And they realized, and you can actually see it in some of the Marxist writings, that the United States is too powerful to be brought down by Russia or China North Korea or Iran or any outside force cannot be brought down that way militarily. But you can bring it down from inside and you attack the fundamental pillars, faith and family family and the things that made us into such an incredible place. And then those who attack us and say what a horrible place we are and how we're so unfair to so many people if that were the case, why is everybody trying to get in here? Why, why exactly. would they be trying to get out of here? <laughs> so. I
0: find that to be, um, we have people like LeBron James, who yeah. talks about how oppressed he is in an America like this one. But in reality, how can he not see the freedoms that we do have? It's it's mind blowing to me, even someone like Brittany Greiner, who talked openly about how she did not appreciate America. She wouldn't stand for the national anthem. All right. Well, guess what? She gets sent to another country where she's treated, of course, terribly. And now she suddenly wants to be back. Um, we have so many freedoms here that are so unique and so amazing. Um, and we're putting that under jeopardy.
2: That's exactly right. You know, I my wife and I have been to 68 different countries, and uh, we've lived overseas uh, in some very nice places, but there's no place like home. <laughs> there's no place like this. And, uh, you know, some people get upset when I say that, and they say, you have been better off in Africa, you know, with where your ancestors came from, and you would be much happier. And, you know... I think that's a bunch of garbage. Um, I'm much happier here. Um, just like people from German ancestry are probably happier here, and people from Irish ancestry are probably happier here. I mean, this this is a place that we all help create. Uh, we have our roots here; they're very deep. I can trace mine all the way back to 1700. Wow. Um, and. You know, I thank God that I'm here because if I weren't here, I seriously doubt that I could have had the career that I had as a neurosurgeon. And uh, does it mean that we're perfect? No, we're not perfect because we're inhabited by human beings who are not perfect. That's why they need a savior. But, uh, you know, what we need to do is learn from our mistakes and move forward and uh, not just keep hearkening back to unfairness. Let's uh, look at the transgenders uh, and let's say, why do they feel the way they do? And how can we create a situation that works for them that doesn't impose upon the rights of others? And that's what we always need to be thinking about, liberty and justice for all. It shouldn't be things that we just say, it really should be things that we do.
0: Absolutely.
2: And I am so encouraged when I see young people like yourself, you know, who are courageous. It gives me hope because I, I talk to a lot of people and they, they say it's over, you know, the United okay. States is done. And I'm not sure it's quite over yet. You know, I saw what happened, you know, at um, the college in Kentucky. And uh how that uh, spread to other colleges and absolutely uh, I think I think your generation is a lot more savvy than we think they are, and uh, it's not just going to be the greatest generation from World War II. It's going to be others who have come along and have picked up the mantle and recognize what we have here and uh, are not willing to give it up. And Absolutely. people can promise them all kinds of wonderful things. We can make your life great if we just take all this stuff from the rich people and spread it around. Well, that has never worked anywhere. No. <laughs> it's not gonna work here. No. But but you tell people these things in order to to gain political support. Just like, you know, right now in California, they're talking about reparations for you know, Black people, uh, they know that's never going to happen. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. How do you determine who gets it and who does not It's a bunch of garbage. But you get people excited about that. You say, we're the ones who are going to get this for you so that you'll stick with us. And Absolutely. I'm just sorry, I just am sorry to see so many people fall for it time and, and time again same people doing it, telling you the same stuff, and you fall for it every time. But that's why we have to be outspoken. For and sure. I want to give you just an opportunity uh, as we close here to say to the audience what's on your mind about this transgender issue and about America.
0: Absolutely. Um, there's a saying. What is it? Strong men create good times, good good times create um, weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men. I think truthfully, we're in the part where weak times create strong men and women. Mm-hmm. So I believe truthfully that the pendulum has swung too far. Um, it's been happening the past decade, at least that I have now been in this position to see um, and it's just swung too far. People are starting to open their eyes, and we want to restore sanity. Um, again, based off of my, my personal experience and talking to people who are in similar positions as myself, talking to Leah Thomas' teammates, talking to parents, talking to people who work within the athletic departments, um, coaches, all of the things, we know this is wrong. So how can we band together and fix it, restore it, protect women, um, protect everyone, because like you said, it should be a system of liberty and justice for all. How can we get there? Because we all want that. And if we all want it, there's got to be a solution. And so it's working together to find it. And I truthfully believe we are at that stage. Um, We have seen the insanity, we've seen what it fosters, um, and people are starting to be more bold. And so my message to everyone listening is to be bold. Amen. Use your voice. Stand up for things that and things and people who need someone to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, this has to come from the parents. It has to come from the people in the positions to make changes. Amen. It's a lot to ask young people. Granted, I'm not that young anymore. I'm 22. Oh I'm wow, youthful.
2: you're ancient now. <laughs>
0: I feel ancient. I just got married. I just am building my house. And so I feel like I got old really quick, but it's a lot to put on, you know, these 18 year old college girls. I see so many comments of people saying this won't end until that 18 year old doesn't compete. That's a lot to put on that person. And this is something that shouldn't be left strictly to this group. We need to stick together. We need everyone. We need to be strong and we need to prove that the overwhelming majority of them can acknowledge that what's happening is unfair and unjust.
2: Amen. And that is very sage advice from a 22-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate that. But more importantly, we appreciate your courage. And I hope the listening audience is encouraged as I am when you see young people who understand who we are as a nation, what this nation represents, and the opportunities that it presents to so many people, and why we need to, as the Bible says, love your neighbor, not hate your neighbor, not cancel your neighbor, Absolutely. why we need to enjoy the liberties that many have fought for, how we need to have a sense of community, and how we Absolutely. must preserve life. So thank you, Riley, for being with us. Keep up the good work and make up.
0: Of course, pleasure. of course. Thank you so much.
2: And we'll be right back with my closing thoughts and a prescription for you for this week.
3: Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion
2: You enjoyed uh, that conversation with Riley Gaines as much as I did. It's so nice to know that that we have young people who still have values and principles and care about others, who recognize that we live in a nation that provides opportunities, not guaranteed outcomes, but guaranteed opportunities for people to excel. But let's do it in a way that is fair for everybody. And for your prescription for this week, take some time and research what your legislature and your state is doing, uh, particularly in regard to transgender females competing with females. And see if there's something that you can do to support those who just want justice, who want a level playing field. Women deserve that. Women are not the same as men. And viva la difference, as they say in France. Where would we be if they were all the same? We wouldn't be here at all, would we? Think about that. Common sense. Should tell you that. And that's it for this week. Uh, Remember to subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Rate us, review us, tell your friends and family. And let's spread common sense everywhere. Remember the cornerstone principles. Faith, liberty, community, and life. See you next week.